You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf. And welcome to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community. I am Ben Wolf, your host, faithful host as always. Uh, our guest today is going to teach us five ways that you as a leader can overcome uh, the traps that your mind sets for itself. And uh, I remind you, everybody out there, to do me a favor, do each other a favor, do yourselves a favor, and subscribe. Uh, leave a five-star review or whatever the method is on the platform that you are listening to or watching this, and that will definitely help make the content accessible to more people. So before we go on, just pause it right now, subscribe, leave a review, Spotify, YouTube, uh, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever it is that you're listening to this. And I uh, appreciate that. So moving on to the introduction for our guest today, I'm very happy about this. So our, our guest today is the CEO of Vibrant Ventures, uh, which provides executive leadership coaching and consulting services, particularly in the areas of human capital, executive compensation, and the future of work. Uh, she has been a human capital leader at places like Morgan Stanley, Bank of America, Motorola, Martian McLennan, and Deutsche Bank. Uh, you can find out more about our guest at her website, vibrant.com. And that's, uh, we'll put this in the description because it's not easy, but it's V-Y-B-R-A-N-T-E.com, vibrant.com, spelled in an interesting way. Check the description of this episode for the spelling of that. And with that, I give you Carrie Ann Fournier. Welcome, Carrie Hey, thanks, Ben. Uh, thanks for uh, doing the spelling of the company name because there actually is a method to the madness. When I was coming up with the idea behind the company, yeah. one of the core ideas was, or a belief I had, is to unlock individual team and organizational vibrancy. I truly believe that each has to understand their why. They have to understand their true north and where they're going. And in the end, and we'll talk about this today on your podcast, it's your e-factor, it's your energy, it's, your, it's the way you frame up situations in your mind or reframe them to really be the most empowered and productive self. And so that's the, that's the reason behind the interesting spelling. Yes, and you do. You have a great video on your website also, which explains the uh, explains the whole makeup and, and anatomy of the spelling of your company's name, V Y B R A N T E. But uh, you know, and with that, speaking of like getting into background, which I appreciate uh, a little more explanation on the name. But give us a quick two minutes on like your context. How did you get into this and human capital and you know overcoming toxic thinking and. And, and executive compensation and some of the, how did you end up getting to where you are now being able to talk about what you're going to be sharing today? Yeah. And, you know, listen, I'll try and do it in two minutes. Um, it's pretty serpentine. Um, and I think, you know, the, the essence is each challenge and opportunity led to some other challenge and opportunity. And so I kept seeing the silver lining. So believe it or not, what's off resume is I was a classically trained actress. I went to Northwestern was off Broadway in London. Um, I'm one of the few theater majors that I think ever took physics and calculus though. And I was always, now I realize I was a nerd, multifaceted nerd, just not a theater nerd. And so right. when I quickly realized that the lifestyle of that wasn't really in keeping with me, I fell butt backwards onto Wall Street. Um, I decided I'd always define myself. And this is what we talk about a lot with my clients is how we define ourselves and how that limits us. I thought of myself more as a writer, a creative, um, very linguistically strong. When I got two different job opportunities, I decided to go against the grain and to go into my more analytical capability. And I got a job at Lehman Brothers when they were spinning off on the American Express. 
And there, I wouldn't say it was born, there I got in touch with my real analytical, deeply technical analytical side. Okay. Um, because I just, um, whether it's language or math, you can get very intimidated by what the impenetrability of it. And the, the meaning on the other side of math or language is usually fairly simple if you're just brave enough to press on through and get to the essence. And so I spent a number of years on Wall Street. I even was an equity derivative structurer. Um, and as a compensation expert on Wall Street, not surprisingly, it's the topic that people want to talk about in HR. You know, 20 plus years ago, I was running billions of dollars in spreadsheets, multi-currency. It was the only thing that leaders really wanted to talk about when it had to do with their people. Mm -hmm. For me, it was a fascinating and wonderful entry. It's the back door into management and human capital consulting because oftentimes when there's a compensation pain point or frustration, it's really about everything else and compensation is just the symptom. So I was always mm -hmm. committed to solving that for them but required me to really ask like a true consultant, whether I knew it or not at the time, a lot of questions to get to the root cause of what was really going on so we could systemically solve it, not just plaster something over. And so that led me to a lot of very large organizations. One job led to another. Um, and you know, I really had a wonderful opportunity to get off of that wheel about eight years ago uh -huh. and go into startup tech. I was a COO of a startup tech, a machine vision AI play in municipal space. And it really lit me up to be in a much more nimble environment. I liked the complexity and all of the things I learned in large organizations, but all of a sudden I found this entirely different ecosystem of how businesses worked and the way leaders interacted with community of other leaderships themselves. And it really, it really opened up a whole new thing for me. And I think fits my style mm -hmm. um, even better. And so a couple of years ago, I was really thinking about who I was through all these different career trajectories, whether I was a COO or a compensation executive, or even an actress or derivative structurer. And the common denominator throughout has always been, and I don't know how it happened. It's just the who I am. It's my ability to unlock individual and team performance. Individual what? Like individual, like unlock an individual's potential or a team's potential to get them into high performance in a way that nobody would, they or anybody else would think was possible. I've been brought into many, many turnaround situations. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like, it's not like there's a model. It's like you have a tool set of frameworks or just uh, coaching before I even was a trained coach, these different things to get people into their, into their flow, into their real high productive place. And I love that. That was what, regardless of my job title, that is what lit me up time and time again. And that was both individual as well as organizational. And so when I launched Vibrant Ventures, I guess it's coming up about two and a half, three years ago, mm -hmm. um, it was really committed to doing that. And how we do it really depends on the individual or organizational client, obviously leaning with our expertise. You know, um, Personally, obviously I'm a, a deeply trained executive or a compensation consultant in pretty much every flavor known to man and women. Um, but even on the, I'm a deeply trained now executive coach because I decided even before right. I, I launched my business, that was something I was passionate about and I wanted to be world-class at it. And right. so, you know, I work really with a lot of founders, C-suites, up and coming high, high potential uh, professionals. Uh, usually like I sort of joke, they're those type A professionals that have been on the overachiever path since they've been in diapers. 
Like that's our sweet spot. Like that's that's uh -huh. the type of folks that we really we really uh, coach well in because um, so full. yeah, you know what? It's not it's not just about and we'll talk about in the thinking. It's not just what you attack, but how you think about it that really is what puts you into high performance. Right. And, mindfulness and isn't just yoga. You know, right. when people think of mindfulness as just sitting there and humming and meditating and. There's something for high performance uh, leaders and professionals that is directly embedded in their daily jobs that really make a huge difference. Okay, yeah. So we'll get definitely get into that in a second. And and I think it's it's an it's an interesting value proposition that you bring to people with that probably as you point as you're pointing out an uncommon combination of of analytics and kind of investment bank type of you know very analytical thinking and work. Uh, you know, combined with that, you know, you know, whether it's acting or creative, uh, that creative side, left brain type yep. of uh, type of skill set, which, you know, I imagine could be could be quite interesting and lead lead to unique solutions yes. for different organizations. And I, I guess like and like you're saying, also combining the analytical with looking at the human side in terms of like a compensation and, you know, motivating, you know, high performing people like you're talking about and executives. So, you know, I want to get into to what, the main thing that we're going to talk about today, which is these five ways of overcoming toxic thinking, which I know you've written about and spoken about before. And that's what I thought would be the, you know, uh, a particularly unique value to bring to, to, to this win-win podcast audience, yep. uh, business owners with small and mid-sized businesses. Um, so let's just dive into that. What, what are some, what are some of the ways, what are, you know, what are some of these ways that people are thinking? So let's describe the problem before we start talking about the solution. Yeah, right? So absolutely. what could so, people relate to? What are they thinking that is maybe not healthy, but people will relate to, Oh yeah, that's exactly how I think. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And listen, it's epidemic. We all do it. The question is how do you break out of the loop? And mm -hmm. so, um, so one of the main ways, and we see it everywhere nowadays, um, one of the, the biggest sort of channels for this toxic thinking is this insistence on right or wrong, good, bad, black, white kind of thinking where everything okay. is binary, right? It's a very conflict oriented, like if you think about core, because these thoughts that run through our heads create the feelings that we carry around with us that then create the frame of what we see as possible or to be frank, impossible, which mm -hmm. is usually limiting. So when people have these real thoughts of black, white, right or wrong, my way is the only way, your way is wrong, mm -hmm. you know, we carry around with us a lot of anger and defiance and exasperation, which really leads to very, very limited uh, ability to see other possibilities um, because if so it's what not are your some right, examples of that so so for example what's huge if you've ever if i've worked with a lot of team innovation is if you're only committed to your way is the only way you really can't innovate in a team because you're spending most of your time telling people how their way is wrong or the only way to get there is the way you've already thought about it and listen it's very natural that people get attached to their ideas and their thinking but if, if you don't leave space for other people to build upon it, you really are, it's almost like you're walking around with a gaping hole of a blind spot. And so for example, what I do, it's very, nat it's very natural and normal, but one of the best techniques to get people out of this is I'm working with a team mm -hmm. and you've got a bunch of people really fighting to claim their idea and they can't move forward, is to get them to say, hey, you know, there was, um, there was a small uh, technology firm that we did this with fairly recently. And I said, I want you to champion the second best idea in the world. 
You can always go back, by the way, you can always go back. This is well, not- how they pick which one is second best or that just led to a whole nother debate. No, but you know what? It, it forced them to kind of break their own thinking. And I go, by the way, this is not the voting portion of the program. This is an exercise. I want you to be unattached to where we end up. But for a half an hour, I want you guys to dig in and really thought, think about the second best idea. And what mm -hmm. it did was they had to explain why they thought it was the second best idea. Mm -hmm. And that it was because somebody was thinking about risk mitigation or somebody else was thinking about other product opportunities that could come. And all of a sudden it opened up a conversation, which not surprisingly usually means the best result is a blend of the ideas on the table. Because right. somebody's coming or in- Or better takes into account the, the concerns that motivated the other idea. Yeah, listen, and listen, sometimes the best naysayers in the room are some of your best risk mitigators. They're just, they're shutting down the opportunity. So when you can reframe the conversation to say, great, what you're doing is helping risk mitigate. Let's use that. Somebody else is thinking about product development. Somebody else is already leaning into the communication angle. Right. It allows for everybody to play to their strengths and get unattached, or at least less attached, not entirely unattached, but less attached to the idea or the rationale or the emotions that they're bringing to the conversation. Right. Um, and I would say, listen, I'd say, 80% of the time, it moves the conversation forward, 80%. Right, so, so, so one technique we're talking about for this binary, overcoming one, one toxic type of thinking is binary thinking. One way of overcoming it you're describing as make the case for the second best idea. Yeah, so make the case for this in the group, really kind of workshop that. And the key is you've got to say, this is not the voting portion of the program. We're right. not so people feel vote. safe that because they're not otherwise they're not going to feel safe to do that. Right, they're not going to say this is. I go. This is. We are just brainstorming. We are just trying to round this thinking out. Listen, it always helps to have someone like myself, or it could be somebody else in the organization, facilitate that because it seems agendaless. Right. right? It's like I mean, I'm as a facilitator, I've done that when there's a conflict between two people. I ask them. It's like okay, so you know, John, you know, you explain Simon's point of view. In a way, you know, in a way that he will agree that you have correctly explained his point of view. Exactly. And then, and then correct, keep correcting it if you're not getting it right. You know, until exactly. he, he agrees that you explain his. That doesn't mean you agree with it. But yeah. I mean, it's a maybe a, a similar type of thing. And is yeah, this gonna, it just is unlocks. This gonna, yeah, right? it unlocks the attachment to it, particularly like I said in team um, in team environments where they're really trying to problem solve or mm -hmm. you know even more innovate. Uh, because when people are innovating, they're really putting themselves out there, right? They, right? they feel, I think, even more vulnerable. And it's so easy to get to, that's impractical, That's it's never going to happen. And everybody already right. thinking about the thousand reasons why it's impractical. But it's just as important for problem solving um, on something that you're working on. So that's in a team environment. I'll tell you on an individual, in an individual, because most people walk around with a lot of this going on. We don't even realize how much we're judging in our mindset. So if I'm working with a mm -hmm. client where I can just see this is something that's really getting in their way quite often. Um, to be frank, a lot of my Wall Street clients, Wall Street clients and lawyers, I can almost guess, I have a whole energy assessment that really shows how people play out in these different types of what sets them up for success and what causes stress. And mm -hmm. pretty much without a fault, I can get a pretty good sense of where they're gonna come in. And so there's, um, there's an exercise I do. I did it when I was in training. And it's called the judgment journal. It's actually pretty funny. Mm -hmm. You can sign up to do it for a day, a couple of days, a week. And what I asked people to do, and I did myself, is in a journal, write down every single thought that you can catch yourself judging. It can be about yourself, the environment, the weather, other people. 
Because the reality is, listen, there are all there are certain things that are pretty substantive that's very difficult. And I'm not saying about being judicious. I'm saying being judgy. There's some things we're not willing to let go of, right? And that's okay. But there is a boatload of things that are running through our brains constantly that really sink our energy, have us really form a fairly toxic view on life and the environment. And when you really, I mean, I know people who've filled up notebooks in a matter of days. What do you do? Do you do this like for an hour a day, for the entire day? While you're catching up. I mean, some people speak into their phone um, and they just catch up. Some people kind of keep a mental note and then they write down thematically what they thought after the day. It really depends on the person. Uh, Some people are very meticulous. They check in a couple of times, but you know, what do you do? What do you do with the judgment journal? So like, let's say, uh, like, uh, for, I'll give a personal example. So I realized, you know, aside from all the things I was judging, now the reason why you do this also is to find the low hanging fruit. You don't have to shift and sort of retrain your brain on the big stuff that's hard to let go of. Find the stuff that's really, really in no way possibly serving you in any way. And so personally, I'm not proud of this. I realized, you know, I work in Manhattan, have a place in Manhattan, my office there. Um, that I'd walk down the street and I'd be really judgmental about the people I saw, what they were wearing, who they were with, how did those couples, and I was being really, I mean, in no way, and and we all do this, is this serving me? So perfect thing to practice. And what is the antidote for being judgmental? It's curiosity, Mm -hmm. right? And, And it's, believe it or not, it seems easy. Now, as a New Yorker, I have to tell you, the way station not necessarily healthy to curiosity is sarcasm. Sounds like curiosity. What do you mean? It's really being judgmental. So, you know, I went from, oh my God, how did those people get together? Instead of being curious, I will admit, I was like, gee, I wonder how those people got together. Still, still judgy, but with okay. a curiosity chaser. Not what I'm talking about. Curiosity is really letting go of that and saying, wow, I wonder, they look so different. I wonder how in the world those two met and fell in love like that there's a and this is self this is just talking to yourself right yeah i mean eventually i mean listen i from for the people with the coat with a coach like such and myself we went through it we'd agree on some low-hanging fruit and then we start practicing on a reframe it seems little but i can tell you viscerally how different your energy changes and what you see is possible when you start shifting these judgmental narratives that are going on and let me tell you in the workplace it's usually, um, I mean, many of them seem hard to let go of, but if you can find some small ones that you're judging your boss, your coworkers. How do, how do, how do I suffer from this constant mental judgments? I mean, it, first of all, it feels awful. Uh, there's something called catabolic energy that is really, there's, um, there's two major types of energy that's out there. There's anabolic energy and there's catabolic energy. And so anabolic energy, the opposite of this, is very growth-oriented, positive, forward-moving types of energy. It's really where a lot of innovation um, and just thought leadership comes from. And uh, and so I don't know. Think of somebody Ben that you uh, that you even before you meet them, you're kind of excited about it. When you're talking with them, you feel in flow. And after the conversation, you're kind of buzzing. Does anybody come to mind? Unfortunately, there's not enough of these people out there. But does anybody come to mind? I have to think. I have to give me give you have to give me a minute and come back to it. <laughs> a lot of people are like that, but let me describe catabolic energy. And this is why I'm using this as an example. Catabolic okay. energy is the opposite. That is the really draining, 
destructive, it's almost like an energetic wet blanket. And I think we all have people, we see their email, their name come up in an email or on a phone and we think, oh, good Lord, do I have the energy for this? Right, does anybody come to mind? Yeah. <laughs> usually a boatload and usually I get a lot of family names or peers. Now the way catabolic energy really shows up are in two major ways. It's almost like the classic fight or flight. The first is um, it's almost like victim mentality. It's like the world is happening to me. I'm right. helpless. I can't, I can't control anything. And so if there was an inner narrative, it's this catabolic energy of like, I lose. Now the energy we're talking about is the other one, which is that inner narrative is I win, you lose, right? That is a very heavy, negative, destructive kind of energy. That's on the catabolic you know. side. Yeah, and so there are two major things. And so this really toxic thinking. Well, that's right. It's a, it's a scarcity about. mindset versus abundance mindset. Yeah, and it comes in so many different ways. It's the other. I mean, unfortunately, we see it everywhere these days, right? And, and media. And you're saying the curiosity exercise will get us more on the anabolic yeah, side. Yeah, so think about, listen, and I don't, we'll I don't want creative. to go politics, but let's, I mean, but just it, this, this us versus them narrative, right. just, rather than judging somebody on their side just saying i'm curious i wonder what their life experience is because everybody was utah out. congressman ad or the republican and the democrat did you see this i did did their ad together awesome i mean i'm sure they did their individual ads also but they but they did one ad about like having constructive like recognizing yeah. that the other is they have different ways of getting to the same place but they're not horrible people exactly and, we, and you know what everybody did an ad together Absolutely. And so if you're actually curious to say, I wonder what their life experience is, because right. they believe this, you cannot agree with it. But when you're coming from a place of curiosity, right. And right. you don't have to adopt it. You don't have to agree with you it. You don't have to adopt it. Let me, it just, it feels different. Right. It's like what you carry around with you. It just, and it lightens you up and it creates possibility. We are all feeling these days for a lot of different reasons, pretty heavy pretty stressed out. Like it just, whether you realize this is going on in your subconscious or not, it is fostering a lot of stress and anxiety in people. And so the thing about catabolic energy, which is really fascinating, is just a little bit of it can really drain you. It's almost like cayenne pepper in a recipe it shouldn't be there. The positive thing is if you can learn techniques to just release a little bit of it, it feels so much better. And so a lot of times when people get really stressed out or high anxiety, it's Listen, it's nice to be able to go into therapy for years and deal with the big stuff, but it doesn't take hours and hours of deep work. It sometimes can be these little techniques, either individually or once right. again, there's some toxic teams, right? right? You, toxic right. You team dynamics. Curiosity questions that you could ask yourself, or maybe even yeah, other people. Yeah, or teams. You know, kind of coming up. Gee, I wonder what the other right. person's point of view is, and like just letting go of that, things viscerally open up. Right. Once again, once on a personal level, it feels a lot better, but I never want to lose sight to the really a business coach, a high performance coach, but it has profound impact and productivity and performance in teams and organizations. Right. And it doesn't require an entire restructuring of an organization or a team. It's just these little things that you really work on. I mean, there's a myriad of different um, strategies that one can do to kind of get this going. Well, what are some more of those? Or so I think... Um, so I think one of it is, is actually coming from a place of creation versus um, uh, risk mitigation. So like I said, there's a lot of very well-intentioned, everybody's a hero in their own story. They think they're protecting the team by showing all of the problems. 
Right. Right. So all the problems. And, but in their mind, they're trying to be helpful. They're, they don't think of themselves as the naysayers. So, so actually reframing for them where they play, right? If they're, if they're not the innovator and it's okay, what we're gonna do right now um, is you're gonna be the risk mitigating team versus the naysayers. And I, I believe it, I never get the teams right, but Disney did this. I think it was called the Imagineers. And then I forgot what the, I never remember it. And there's a second team. So they had a team that would just vision and design and create. Right. And they would then give it to this other team, which were the risk mitigators or in other places, the naysayers to pick it apart and say what couldn't work and why. They would then bring it back and it would be this iterative process. So once again, if you take a look at the folks who many times in your organization, like, oh God, they're so negative. Right. Reframe that as a constructive element. Right, use a constructive element. They're not trying to show, they, nobody wants, most people do not want the team to be unsuccessful or not innovative. If you really ask them, what do you stand for? They're trying to protect. They're trying to help. So, so it's helping in the right way. And then also, I mean, some folks, it's, um, it's if you have an issue, say why specifically. Mm -hmm. And to the extent you can beyond your comfort zone, try and counter right? Try and counter at, it's always additive. It's, you know, funny thing you'd never think you bring together, but it's almost like improv comedy. It's you accept and, you accept right. and, you build and. Right, I've been and to don't groups where, where they do that. Like, right? <laughs> to the extreme. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they go funny. all the way to the extreme, but you know, sometimes when you're really trying to play, break toxic patterns in businesses, you almost have to play with the extreme to then go back. And I've asked right. teams to do that times. Once again, this is not the decision-making final right. um, workshop. This is actually trying to see what's possible and asking some of those, you know, call naysayers to do that what and what and exercise. And I say, you know, and you can feel them getting very uncomfortable. And that's why a facilitator is there to help, you know, really say, it's okay. Just right. go with your first thought. Just go speak it. Let's right. get it on the board. Let's see where it goes. Oftentimes they're they're amazed and surprised by what comes out of their mouth and what they created. Can we get to one more area if we can at least you know just cover one more at least of, uh, of toxic thinking and, and and something we could do about it within ourselves? Um, you know, I think uh, so. I think it's funny. It's a small thing. So anybody out there who is going through um, who does decide to take on this judgment journal. Uh -huh. The first thing you're going to judge is how ju judging yourself and how judgy you are. Right. It's not just about things outside of ourselves. We find ourselves judging. Yeah. And we, and we realize, oh my God, like I'm so judgy. What a terrible person. And so what I, what I often say to my clients, something isn't good or bad. The question is, does it serve you? Mm -hmm. Does it serve you? Right. And so at the end of the day, um, if they're having a trouble letting go. And we, I, I do an exercise called ways of being, and it really helps them frame the values or the life they want to build. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, um, I ask them, is this position that you're taking in service of the life you were very clear you wanted to build? And if the answer is yes, great. If not, what else is possible? So I have an example. There was a media executive I was working with a woman who you know, was just fed up with her company, fed up with her boss, wanted to create a new future within six months. And listen, she had a, I have to admit, she had a right. She had a misogynistic jerk for a boss. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. If, even remotely, what she told me was even true. 
could understand why she was frustrated. Right. And there's a even if it was exaggerated, it would still be even if it really was a little bad. exaggerating, it was probably not good. And um, but by the second session, there's a place for venting. Um, and but we were into the second session, and she's still going at it. And he's a villain, and he's this, and he's that. And I just stopped, and we had spent time being very clear about the life you were going to build. And I said, "Listen, is this in service of that?" This so, meaning this, this venting, and, right. and villainizing, and everything else. Because if not, um, then um, what else is possible? I go because if this is in service of that, and unfortunately, there's so I'm going to time out for a second. Uh, can you hear? Of course, there's land. Landscape. Yeah, there's a there's a background noise, but uh, so I'll just reiterate what I'm hearing you saying is that is that when yeah. you're when you're finding yourself judging or venting or anything negative thought, and maybe you're right about everything that you're saying or, or, or thinking or judging, but the question is, you ask two questions that we can ask ourselves. One is, is this insert is this whatever it is this judgment or this spending time judgment or this venting or whatever it is that I'm talking about. Is this in service of where I want to get my life to? Right. The answer and if is no, not, then what else is possible? Yeah, Those two like questions let go together. of it. Um, just be willing. So I'm going to move to a different room that's not as surprising. Um, so what I was saying is... Um, it looks like you're in the same room as before, for those I of you. Know, isn't virtual backgrounds lovely? <laughs> um, no, but seriously, like, so you have a right to feel this way, right? Because if right. you're really working for a jerk... No, it doesn't mean you're incorrect. No. Right, of course. And so the ability to let go of this judgment, this toxic thinking, not because the other person's right, but because right. it's not, and not because you're the not right. that you're trying to build. Right. You know, similarly in a team, yeah, there are people that are frustrating. There are people that are not holding their weight. And you can get so caught up in that blame game and that feeling righteous, or like I said, like feeling like I'm the victim of a suboptimal team and a loser boss that you feel unempowered. Right. And the, the key thing on all of this is to get into your most empowered, high productive self, right? So, you know, think about well, when you get into- How do you get, get your mind these, there? I mean, is it through that so exercise or toxic, When you get into these toxic loops and you get into these judgment loops, right? just pause, catch yourself, catch yourself if you can and say, is this serving? Right. It's, of course, it's so noisy. I'm gonna try one other location. They right. never come on uh, Mondays, so I'm a little surprised. Hopefully. Right. Well, look, I mean, to me, what you're saying right now, as, you know, as you move locations, I mean, to me, what you're what you're saying is very, to me, the most powerful thing about what you're saying now is is just remembering, and for anybody listening to or watching this, remembering these two questions. One is, you know, is is ask is is remember these these two questions, which seem quite effective, is 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 this serving me? Is this yeah. getting me where I want to get to in life? Is this moving me closer or further away and two i mean if the answer is no then what else is possible and just what asking that question is going to force yourself or force myself to to think about the answer rather than just yeah, go and be on curious. you know be curious you may not know the answer but leave space for it right mm -hmm. leave space for it because there's something a lot more interesting my guess is than the loop you're getting caught yourself in and once again i can't reiterate enough People have a right to feel frustrated and angry right. and annoyed with many of the circumstances that are going on in their lives, of course. And you know what? Let yourself have a certain amount of time to right. feel and that way. The question say, I'm going to give myself that. five minutes to be pissed off at whatever just happened in that meeting. Right. And I'm going to let it go because it's not going to serve me. So, so yeah, I think that's a really, really important one. So people can move through it and then really create 
the environment and the career and the work that they want to do. Right. No, it's absolutely, I appreciate that. Is there maybe, maybe one or two more minutes? Can we cover one more? Oh, sure. Um, I mean, those are, those are some of the big ones. I'm trying to think some of the other stuff. Um, so here's another thing. So it's particularly when I work with um, Wall Streeters, lawyers, where the, it's not just the individual energy, but it's the environmental energy they go back in. I used to joke all the time when I was on trading floor, you know, it's not just a trade that there's a winner or a loser. It felt like every communication, every interaction had that dynamic, almost this very catabolic win-lose, right wrong. Mm -hmm type of thing. And so it's one thing to shift your perspective um, for yourself, but then you have to go back into that environment every day. Right. And you want, it's not like people want to just quit. Compare that new attitude down that you're trying to build. It, it, you know, you have to, you have to be very intentional. I mean, the good news is, is oftentimes when I work with um, folks who are leaders, then I end up doing the work with their team. And I've got this great assessment that is very, mm -hmm. and it changes. It's just a temperature check on where you are and what else is possible. And oftentimes then I do it six months later so you can really sort of measure and see the shift. But to, to start teaching those individuals sort of like what we're talking about now, some of these tools and techniques because once you break that pattern and you know what it feels like not to be in this constant catabolic confrontational energy or victim right. energy, you have to start shifting the environment you're with or it's gonna be pretty tough. It's gonna be right. pretty tough. Now, so the, um, one of the key things is, is um, to be frank, once you get woke, not to hold, and I, you know, woke, I say sort of half jokingly, because right. most people don't think about that in business, but you can't hold people to where your evolutionary process is. Right. They may be very, That's very part of the curiosity and not being judgmental. Yeah, exactly. And it's, so it's putting it in a, even into like a, you know, sort of like a, now we're really going to practice this. And, and sort of, you know, there's a place where you really, you take accountability for your own thoughts and actions and feelings and other people's journeys are their own. There's a saying like what people say and do is about them and how you choose to react is about you. It's one thing to choose your actions. It's almost harder to then choose your reactions, mm -hmm. right? Because you're getting triggered. And so if you're always in reaction to someone, they're actually, or a situation there, it's actually in control. It's sort of like the joke, the opposite of love isn't hate, it's indifference. Mm -hmm. Similarly, that energetic entanglement that we all get caught up in at work and relationships, it's the next masterclass when you're, you've shifted in your own contained environment and then you have to go back in. So it's really getting back to the, I choose my reactions, I'm not gonna get triggered and building these skills to once again, from a place of curiosity, ask questions, um, helping people, particularly if you're a leader and a manager, helping the team uh, reframe situations that set them up more powerfully. Right. No, it's, it's great stuff. I mean, in terms of, in terms of judgment, it's in terms of, in terms of asking how things serve, how things serve me, um, you know, you know, does it get, does it get me where I want to get to, you know, some of that, you know, you know, advocating for the second best idea, you know, and a brainstorming piece of the piece of a discussion, um, you know, just really, really helpful and, you know, and, and great stuff that I think people can use right away in the organizations. They can, you know, of course, reach out to you, vibrant.com, V-Y-B-R-A-N-T-E.com. And, uh, you know, to, to get help with, you know, not only technical things like executive compensation, how does that feed into culture? And also you do the executive coaching where people can 
not only work with you themselves as, as leaders or as CEOs, as founders, uh, but have you work with their leadership teams as well. So uh, hopefully people will reach out to you through, through LinkedIn, through your website, if, uh, if that's going to be helpful, but really, really appreciate you, you sharing all this information and, you know, and My this pleasure. knowledge about how we can get healthier and, and, and get beyond some of our own toxic thinking. Absolutely. And it's so much fun on the other side. It really is. Yeah, I know. Happier, right? More anabolic, or I don't know, anabolic. Did I use the right word? Yeah, you got it. Anabolic. And not, right, and not not catabolic. Catabolic, or certainly not catatonic. Okay, so. (laughs) They feel like that sometimes. (laughs) Right. So thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on, and uh, we'll see everybody else on the other side. Thank you. You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf.